Welcome to TNT with Teresa Quinlan and Reese Thomas. We are friends from across the pond on a life evolution. We want to bring you topics that challenge your status quo, guests that help you think differently, and nuggets of wisdom that spark being. Being what? You. Authentic you. Welcome today to Mr. Barry Holmes. Spending any amount of time with Barry, you'll soon discover a few things. He's creative, random, that might be my favorite part, and (laughs) infinitely curious about everyone and everything. He loves to paint, write, cook, play, run, laugh. Life is the canvas for his art, and Barry expresses an eloquent gratefulness to have finally realized this. In the seemingly grown-up world, Barry is a father to his beautiful daughter, Sophia, a partner to his queen, Michelle, a son to his wonderful mom, Gerd, and a brother to Tony and Mark. Zoom, that's Barry's learning company name, was born 20 years ago from the realization he was, he is, in love with learning and is unemployable and unteachable. (laughs) Since then, the company has stayed true to their mission to change the way the world thinks about learning. It was and continues to be a joy working with beautiful organizations and people, especially Save the Children and the Alzheimer's Society, whose purpose resonates as much today as it did 100 years ago. That's incredible. Barry's very smart and loving and blessed to be surrounded by those much smarter and more loving than he. And it's his intention to keep it this way. It's always an expansion of our hearts to be in the same space together. Barry, welcome to TNT. How are you? Wow. After hearing you say those words, I feel even better than I did before we started. And I was feeling pretty amazing before we started. <laughs> it's really, it's really lovely to be here. I feel very welcome. You are very welcome. And uh, just hearing that intro is, uh, it can feel like plucking all my heartstrings. It feels like you know, all of the things you were saying about Barry, like you could say that about me. Like maybe I'm looking at, this is a, a window into some kind of future self that we're having here. So this could be a, a very informative and inspiring conversation. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> when I hear a description like that, when I read a description like that and I feel it, It really is speaking, I think, how we want to be in the world, how we want to show up in the world, the kind of relationships we want to have with both ourselves, number one, and the people that are most important to us. And maybe even more so is if we have to work, it would be totally awesome if the work that we did was the purpose of our life and it wasn't separate from our life. Yeah. Our passion, our obsession, what we decide to do with our life often comes because of the experiences that we've had or an experience that we have. So would you share with us, Barry, how did you get to this space today? Hmm. Five or six years ago, I was in Bosnia doing a project for Save the Children. And somebody came up to me at the lunch break and It was amazing being with the people I was with because there was a directness about the way we spoke to each other that is uncommon, particularly in the UK. And one of the people said to me, you have eyes of quiet desperation. And having someone else say what you feel and are afraid to express was both 
shocking and utter revelational because I thought I was doing a pretty good job of having an optimistic, I'm all good and everything's positive face. And the realization that was entirely superficial to people I hardly knew was a shock. And that spoke to a truth that I had at that point in time where my life was superficially full of all the things that should make you happy and certainly sounds good at a dinner party when you describe. And my internal experience of my life at that time was utterly wretched. My capacity to convince myself that next week, next month, it will be better, or when this happens or that happens, I'll be okay, was gone. So there was this kind of awareness that trying to run around and fix my life in order to make myself okay wasn't, wasn't going to cut it. When I came back from that piece of work, well, I, I feel like my real life started in the sense of stop looking outside for anything in relation to what's true and to begin looking inside for what for what's true and the two questions that have been sort of bugging me torturing me celebrating me developing me everything me since i can remember because these questions arose quite a long time ago but they've sort of come and gone really is who am i I mean, that one on its own is an extraordinary question to, to answer. And what is true? And I'm still asking and answering those questions. And every time I reach somewhere where I can like sit and take a break for a while, the clouds break and there's like another reveal, there's another revelation. I feel we're all on a journey of answering those questions in our own way. And I feel those questions are really important. Wow. Two big questions just to kick off with there. A lot to dive into. You mentioned in the intro, you were talking about all these steps you've gone through. And then there was just a little bit said, and then I finally realized this. Now, is that connected to this moment five years ago? Or is that something that had happened during that five year arc? And if so, what was it you realized? And what was it that made you realize it finally? Mm, that piece around like the love yeah. of learning the unemployable the unteachable yeah it, it's funny isn't it working out what got you somewhere because hmm. you can only join up the dots looking back and then it makes it sound like there was a, some kind of coherence in a plan there was never any coherence in the plan some of the events just to respond to your question i had a very bad accident about about six years ago it was around the time of the event I spoke about where I was on my bike and I hit a car at relatively high speed um, and went over the top and dislocating a fraction of my shoulder. And I needed an operation urgently. They didn't want to put me out. So I was given something called midazolam, um, which is a particular thing anaesthetist used. And up until that point, I'd never had any other substance in my body other than food, drink, coffee and alcohol. And something happened in that period of time when I was under where I had the experience of my beingness separate from my thinkingness. I can't really express what that was like. 
I think that experience of not just knowing I'm not my thinking, but physically experience it in my body. I think that point about learning and curiosity, it opened a curiosity in me because I didn't even know who I was until I had that experience. It seemed to me up until that experience that all the things I was thinking and feeling were who I was. And the game was to figure out what to think and what to do and how to feel. And that by figuring out life in some way, I would reach a point of reconciliation and happiness that would have permanence to it, which sounds ridiculous to me now, Hmm. expressing it like that. I'd say it was that experience thereafter led to, I'd say, an Alice in Wonderland type curiosity where I quickly went down the rabbit hole and I've been exploring places down the rabbit hole ever since, which include all sorts of things, meditation, plant experience, fasting, nature retreats, a whole number of different experiences. And I'm still, I'm still feel like, like I put my smallest toe in the ocean of all of that for a millionth of a second. And I'm not even begun to explore the depth or the expanse of that. But that feels to me where reality is, where the potential for everything is. Has that realization helped you answer that first question? appreciate that maybe that first question is yet to be fully answered who am I sorry that that question well people I work with I kind of you calibrate a bit because you don't want to completely freak them out you know with the question (laughs) who am I but what I find people can answer very quickly for themselves no matter where they're at is who am I not that in itself and putting down the labels and the judgments and the expectations, the perceptions of who we think we should be, who we think we are. I feel like it starts with, well, it certainly started with me with the realization of who I'm not and that opening up and creating some space. Yeah, it's just a lot easier question to answer because when you sit that question, who am I not? You're like, well, I'm not my age. I'm not my name. Well, it's not all of who I am. It's kind of like an unanswerable question but that's the beauty of it. You, you don't try and answer it. You just ask it. Yes. Uh, but asked questions are very difficult to not try to answer. Because <laughs> we like to intellectualize, to know. Then we have some sort of grounding beneath us. Uh, like what we're speaking about here reminds me very much of when I read The Untethered Soul and I was so confused. So confused in that aspect of what is he talking about? <laughs> And that, how do I do that? How do I be all and nothing at the same time? And it's mind blowing to try to conceptualize it, which is part of the problem. So I love this invitation you're offering of, it's a question to be asked, but perhaps not to be with the intention of answering with a concrete answer, simply to ask. In fact, when you said both of them, I immediately thought these are two great questions to ask anytime. I'm feeling a little bit angry. Hang on a second, who am I? What is true? (laughs) I feel a little bit happy. Hang on a second, who am I? What is true? Anytime we have an emotional experience, we tend to behave in a certain way and These two questions seem quite powerful and maybe returning us to who we are and what is true. What I heard you say earlier was a little around the concept of loosening our attachments to things. It's like, I'm not my name. I'm not my age. I'm not. Can you share with us how you go about 
<laughs> entering that practice of loosening attachment. Have you both heard of non-duality? There's, there's a movement, there's people that work in this space called non-duality. And essentially what they point to is there's no I and there's no person responding to the I, the subject-object relationship. And I'm in a non-duality group at the moment and it's driving me crazy because <laughs> everything you bring to the conversation, who is asking the question, who's responding to the question, is suggested doesn't exist. And what I notice is, and not just me, everyone who's in this group, we get more and more irritated because our egos need to fixate on something, being something in order to create a sense of permanence. So the idea of impermanence drives the ego crazy. And the analogy I like, our ego is like a dog chasing its own tail. It doesn't know that it can't bite it. So it's going round and round and round. And the thing I've really noticed the last couple of weeks, and this is why I keep going back to this session that I'm in, even though it's driving me crazy, is it's made me notice my preferences. So do you remember that game when you were a kid where you'd hide something and, and an adult would go, warmer, warmer, colder, colder? Yes. Is I realize, oh my God, I'm constantly going towards things I think are good or nice or better. And I'm constantly trying to stay away from things that aren't. Then I started to go, well, who's determining what's warmer and what's colder? So that loosening comes when you start to realize or even consider the idea, what if nothing's warmer or colder? What if nothing's good or bad? What if it's all a subjective perception based on rules or ideas that we didn't even form in the first place? What if? Yeah. It's interesting those two questions because earlier today Therese and I were recording a, another podcast and the title of the subject was um, imposter syndrome and the thing that kept, we kept talking about a lot was reality testing and for me the question who am I and then the other question what is true is a, an, an inexplicable um, alignment there so it seems to be a reason why this has happened all today and why we're focusing on this and the first one the who am I is a mantra that I often use um, in a meditation thing so we're like in breath who am I out breath yeah. letting go and like continuing this process of a cycle therefore avoiding any attachment to anything that comes through and and also propagating that idea of letting go into you know wider life and reality and I'm wondering if that concept of letting go seems to knit nicely with with those two questions this idea of identity this idea of psyche and then this idea of true self what do you think about that yeah, I think it's spot on. I think the question then that arises for me is then, and that who am I allow without seeking to answer in a breathing practice is amazing. Like, that's just amazing. Then the question arises in me is, let go to what or who? So to me, and this has come really late in life, relatively, there is an absolute and total universal intelligence that doesn't matter for me if it's god divine quantum field allah those are all i call them stickers on a window they don't really mean anything they point to something that's beyond but that capacity or that realization that it isn't my will that's determining my life and it never was that there is a divine intelligence and order to everything and everyone that is. It's a bit like I've been trying to swim around 
wondering which way to swim and learning to swim and try not to drown. And actually, if I just turned over on my back, realized I could float and looked up at the ceiling and enjoyed the whole thing, I'd end up wherever I'm meant to be anyway. And that's the surrender experiment and the untethered soul that my singer points to is exactly that. He's a wonderful example of, well, I wonder what happens if I let go. And people think that the idea of letting go is apathy. In my experience, it's the exact opposite. It calls us into attention, into life in a way we can't possibly realize. And it's, for me, it's been like the relief that my life isn't about my will and imposing my, my will um, into the world. It never was. I mean, it's interesting when that comes to work because I used to think it's a responsibility to try and change things for the better. Now I see that is really misguided. How I see it is everything is happening as it's meant to and all I can do, or the best thing I can do is to align with that which is. And part of that is that the loosening and the surrendering to things my ego has preferences about. Like we all do. <laughs> like wanting to be liked. You know, the, the fascinating one is, you know, do you say what you think and feel? Or do you say what you think and feel with a little voice saying, well, I hope everyone likes this. <laughs> thank you so much that was a really beautiful description of what loosening attachment can be like and the benefits around what that can bring us as an individual and then what can that bring us as a collective because mm. sometimes the word untethered is like hang on a second so surrender free floating that's that's scary for me to not be attached to something yeah and so a fear of untethered sounds like it's a bad thing the raising of consciousness that is part of the work that you are doing with organizations can you talk us through the willingness the willingness to engage but maybe maybe even before that how you introduce it because i'm sure the language you use is intentionally used to not like frighten people off <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes I do frighten people off. You'd have to talk to my brother about that. He rolls his eyes a lot. <laughs> so I studied something called the three principles a few years ago, and I ended up going to the US and meeting George Pransky, who worked with the founder of the three principles. And that was an incredible experience. And what they talk about, I'm just making the link, is coming from an inside out understanding, not an outside in understanding. Because I've been really fascinated by what you said in my introduction, that I love learning. I think everyone innately is naturally and always learning. And I have resistance to the traditional structures of learning because I feel they're coercive in nature. Where I kind of start in hopefully not frighten people off is, is inviting them to what I would call self-inquiry. So don't take my answer to this. Don't take the answer that's in the media. Don't take what anyone else is saying is ask this question and then see what comes. And when I get to do that, and then when we get to do that, 
together and then there's a space where that can be expressed in the absence of judgment and and people are just held in love and respect that's where man for me magic happens can you um elaborate a bit on the three principles idea for those of us who are <clears throat> unfamiliar or listeners if anyone watches this they're a three principle practitioner they'll probably correct me but i understand it's <laughs> mind consciousness and thinking and life can be thought about or framed in relation to those three principles and in seeing that we're distinct from our thinking like there's a universal mind and then we're an entity that's having thoughts means that that space that opens up between my thoughts and my sense of who I am creates an awareness of our innate well-being so it's very radical the three principles concept is you are always okay and can be not otherwise which isn't negating that it might seem like you're experiencing suffering it may feel and be like suffering that doesn't change the nature of your innate wellness so there's a there's an us that always is and always is okay mm -hmm. and if we connect to that aspect of ourselves it changes our perception of what we're experiencing not negates it or affirms it i'm having a i'm having a moment so i'm starting to move a little bit more and getting very excited because i'm having a moment in relation to the skill set of reality testing in emotional intelligence is that skill set can only be as powerful as you are separate from your attachments so our ability to be accurately objective of what really is can only be as good as how far away from my subjective opinion I am. Yeah. And I had not actually thought of it in that respects before in helping to guide someone to a greater level of what is true. So I am going to express some gratitude in this moment because I've just upped my knowledge and skill set. And I think teaching this skill to other people. <laughs> Thank you, Barry. Our listeners really do like to hear about how do I apply this kind of stuff around what I'm doing for my own life, what I might be doing in my workplace when I'm leading, maybe even if I'm guiding a company. If you could take us into the world of your company and the kind of experiences that you're creating and the kind of learning you're creating for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, the word that you just used in that question, experience. So we start with what is the experience? Experience is all about feeling. Now, we live in an environment where cognition is massively privileged as in the thinking, the strategy, the slides, the blah, 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 blah. We start with what is the experience and what is the feeling that is going to, we're intending to arise from that experience. And then everything else informs that because our experience entirely is, is if the feeling is in the right direction and the intentionality around the feeling is in the right direction, it's not like it doesn't matter what you talk about or how you talk about it. But then there's a receptivity and there's a possibility of learning, transformation, integration. If that experience and that energy and that vibration isn't there, you might as well go home. You might as well go and do something else. Mm -hmm. And the vast majority of what I perceive as being transmitted 
doesn't come from that experiential orientation. It comes from a cerebral cognitive orientation, which is if you're a bit smarter and you get it, then things will improve. And well, I feel I got an awareness. I can't collude with that anymore. And so, and we have these conversations with our clients all the time. Where is it you're trying to get to? Well, we want to try and do this. Well, what are you doing to try to do this? Well, we're sending out information and, mm-hmm. and everyone kind of knows it. As soon as you drop into it, everyone's aware of it, you know, and you get lots of people smiling. Okay, maybe we need to think about how we do that. Because experience is the ultimate way of us relating and connecting. Because it's how we've always done it, how we do it, and how we'll always do it. Because we're humans with infinite capacity to sense and feel. You know, from my sort of one six billionth like perspective, for me, it's like, know how you feel. And I went an enormous part of my life having no idea how I felt. If you asked me six years ago, how do you feel? I'd have given you an answer. Happy, sad, cool, bored, interested. The words I'd used bore no resemblance to how I actually felt because I had no idea how I felt. I was so disconnected from my body, my feeling, and it would just been like a kind of robotic response to meet, you know, a civilized answer because you're meant to give an answer. And that capacity for us to feel and sense, that's where I feel, going back to the question, where, where all of the truth is. I think it's healthy to be very suspicious of our thoughts. Perhaps even more tragic, we're meant to give an answer we think the other person can manage. Yeah, I'm okay. You're okay. Okay, thank God, because I don't want to talk about anything else, <laughs> which is perhaps why so special in your moment six years ago, an individual you barely knew uttered the words, your eyes speak of a quiet desperation. How brilliant of a human being to be that connected probably with their own self to recognize it within you and actually have the courage to say it. Maybe not even courage, the love to say it. Yeah. It was a loving thing to say. I was very blessed at that point. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, what is it that, that you were desperate for and are you still desperate for it or have you <laughs> found comfort in <sighs> the not needing to have that question answered for you? That's one of the things about letting go. It's, not, it's about letting go of any judgments and any preconceptions and expectations, not just on everyone else, but fundamentally with yourself and it's through those basic questions that you can have that realization Teresa said something earlier about fear and and for me you know when we do these practices when we look at this or we connect with this idea of of non-duality or a collective consciousness and for me I don't know what your own feeling is on you karma and and reincarnation and that kind of thing association with the soul versus the body and this kind of thing and whether that is something for me, I, it was liberating and enlightening because it was not fear is obviously on one hand a good thing, a motivator and an attention maker or an awareness creator, but also it can be an inhibitor. But once you kind of gone beyond that basic understanding of what the fear is there for, I kind of felt that attachment to it fall away. And it was helped by this idea that like you said before, we're, we're all going to be okay. And there's a, there's part of it that's just okay, no matter what. And for me, that is that 
that soul part of us so this body is just an incarnation and i'm going through these motions and i've been through this many times before and every time i'm doing it i'm learning a little bit more hopefully being able to tap into that and and to remember the remembering you know that's a really important thing for me yeah. and i think it allowed me to release myself from that the hold of fear that so many people have and has become even more prevalent over the last you know 12 months not to say it wasn't always prevalent I think this idea that, not to sound glib, but like, you know, whatever happens in this lifetime, that's not all it is. There, there is so much more. And even if things don't go as you wish them to, if you can sit with that comfortably and allow and accept and acknowledge this fear, this fear of death, that's obviously a big, big one that, you know, we don't need to go into that one because that will take a long time. But um <laughs> that's kind of what I'm pointing at, I suppose. And it's in that realization of that or letting go of that, that suddenly all of this kind of felt much more um, open to it. And, and that idea of who am I? What is true? What is my true self? And I loved your idea of the clouds because as you were talking about that, I pictured myself in that same position, climbing up the clouds. I've got to this idea. This is me. This is my true self. I'm surveying the, the horizon. I'm enjoying the vista. It's beautiful. Look at this, what, what I am, what I'm not. I'm everything. I'm nothing. And then suddenly there's a, a, the mist part and you realize there's another layer to go and another layer to go. And because you've had this revelation, hopefully you're not like, oh, Christ, I've got another step to go. I've got, you're like, oh, wow, this is really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I want to keep going. Let's see how we go. Not sure there's really a question there, but just uh, what <laughs> what was coming through? Well, well, the word that was coming through when I was listening to you was you're talking about real freedom. Yeah, I I believe life is already a metaphor. I don't need to create other ones. <laughs> As in, the experience of life is everything I need to learn whatever it is I need to learn and experiencing life as a reality rather than abstracting it with all the dramas and things we overlay on it mm -hmm. means I get a more direct experience and therefore the learning and we feel it we feel an aliveness with that experience and absolutely what you were saying the idea that I'm not impermanent and what that does around the anxiety and fear around death around everything else it's like well, it's okay. I'm alive. I'm having experiences. Some of them seem good. Some of them seem, seem bad. And no matter what happens, here I am. You can move through life just with wonder and curiosity and either enjoying the things that feel like you're enjoying them and a kind of amusement and compassion for yourself and for others when it appears there's suffering arising. I completely negate the idea of personally enlightenment because i feel like that's part of the ego story there's somewhere to arrive at well where are you going to arrive and then what happens it always makes me laugh in a film when everyone ends up at the end gets the girl or the boy and and now what like when does life end so where are we trying to arrive and there's a brilliant book called finders which allegedly someone actually spoke to people who weren't seeking anymore they had they'd arrived i mean this is hilarious to talk about is there's nowhere to go in the first place mm. the concept of seeking you can have fun with that but actually where are you going because life is here now 
so there's nowhere to get to so i think the idea of seeking is something the, the mind's made up to keep us preoccupied as opposed to experiencing what's what's or what's already is i, I love what you said and, and how you described that another veil of the ego trying to tell us that we need to attain this we need this this label or this this achievement and it reminded me of a, an amazing book that i read recently um by jack cornfield it's uh, after the ecstasy the laundry so it's, it's talking about this spiritual awakening moment and and you know he's obviously practiced for many years in in thai and burma forests and had his revelation uh, and then you know so many people who go and live in these isolated things it's really easy to have this kind of connection and you know light coming out of your head and all kind of these things that you think you, you need to do and he off played that with like well there are teachers I know who've been studying for 10 years and they've never had any of these things and you know and they said it was a good job it's, I, I'm not too attached to my ego that I thought I was failing because I hadn't had this kind of grand awakening this this notion that the seeking that's what you said yeah you, you you kind of you do this thing because you want to get some magic powers or you want to have some enlightenment you want to have this kind of thing and, and then as soon as you kind of can I guess whatever gets you started on the path, helping people raise their consciousness, absolutely. Along that path, you'll get further revelations. All the things you thought you were looking for, you'll you know, you let go and then you start looking in a completely different direction <laughs> and enjoy the meandering uh, this way, that way, uh, but also safe in the knowledge that you know you let go of the bank and you're just allowing and just following with the flow and safe in the knowledge that wherever you go, whatever you experience, will be beneficial or at least uh, a learning experience if you choose to see it that way and let go of any any other attachment to the negative uh, connotations that might pre-exist. Would it be safe to say then, Barry, that instead of actually finding things in the last six years of your awakening, you've lost things? Yeah, that's a lovely way of putting it, yeah. Actually, it's funny. I enjoy my partner laughs because she says I love spending money because I do like things coming in, but I equally love things going out, like really love things going out. And that feels to me natural, you know, in the way there's spring and summer when everything comes alive and grows yeah. and autumn and winter where everything withers and dies. It feels like everything is seeking to serve its purpose. And everything is always in a flow and a movement. And it's kind of wonderful. Why don't we live like that? As in, allow the flow of everything that wants to become and everything that wants to leave to, to do whatever it is it's intending to do. That feels com completely natural to me. And uh, yeah, I enjoy that. I love that. Um, it's definitely, that's been a big part of it. I'm a massive lover of the aesthetic as in colors music swimming in the sea running Therese is a massive aesthetic you garden play with your kids you go running like and like we have this body that has this immense intelligence and capacity for millions and billions of different sensory experiences and then you sit in front of your them in laptop for 10 hours with a sandwich and like wonder why you feel dead and you need white wine and netflix like my daughter we brush her teeth every night and she's hilarious brushing her teeth she's 18 months and at the end of brushing her teeth she puts her hand under the cold water and she looks at me and smiles 
Like she's constantly doing things only to have the feeling of doing the thing. And then I find myself doing those things as well. Mm. It's like amazing. We're like this phenomenal sensory living being with infinite capacity to sense and feel everything all of the time. Like if you wanted a gift, you know, for Christmas, like, well, we've already got it. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat. My daughter is three now, just turned three. So I've had all those same experiences and in, in, in sharing that and letting go of that perceived role that I was there to teach her and she was going to learn from me and realizing the reciprocity of it was actually probably much more that she was teaching me and she was reminding me and and seeing how important that inner child connection work was and feeling how that is coming through in in my work much more now all of these things that we're looking to do uh, to get back to is kind of like it's what you were how you were when you were born before you had any of these other external things diluting or concealing or restricting you've shared so many amazing tidbits here i'm not sure if there's anything i think maybe okay one last quick question how do you help people raise their consciousness you love them perfect yeah all right not to cut into the beauty of that but also to play onto it everyone's going to want to learn more about barry holmes zoom <laughs> learning yeah. all these things that you've played with us and tantalized us and titillated our fancy what how can we get get more of barry holmes where can we find you uh i'm on linkedin and i really like linkedin it feels like a big playground for ideas and connections <laughs> and you know like the randomness of chatting to all these amazing people including you guys our website is www.zoomgb as in for great britain.com and we've got some of the crazy things we do on there and then Anyone can contact me. I love hearing from people. and I love people ringing me up saying, I don't agree with you. And I love all of it, actually. Every beautiful relationship, including this one, has come from what seemed random. No one needs a reason to contact me. If you just feel like, oh, what about this? What about that? Then LinkedIn um, and my email is uh, barry.homes.zoomgb.com. Fantastic might just drop your line myself okay right we always finish with our rapid fire q a five questions whatever's on your heart it can be as rapid or as sedentary as you feel <laughs> necessary uh, are you ready barry i'm ready good man um all right number one which emotion catches you off guard most often vulnerability nice and what do you do to regulate that emotion in that moment cry what's next in your personal evolution slowing down a lot nice uh, when your best friend is having a meltdown what do you say to them get a grip it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> perfect i, I love, love the that. honesty of all your answers to everything. <laughs> um all right and number five in this moment, what are you most looking forward to or most hopeful for? My daughter living in the world that you that we've been speaking about today and that being natural. Perfect. 
Thank you so much. That's been such a fun conversation without any agenda or any prerequisites mm. or any prescription, just as we like it here. You've been the perfect guest. Thank you so much for being so honest and open uh, with all your answers. Thank you, Barry. Yeah, love to you both. Oh, thank you. Love to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of TNT. Please share, subscribe, rate, and review. And when you're ready for your personal evolution, check out Reese at trueselfcoaching.com. And for your emotional intelligence revolution, check out Teresa at iqeqtq.com.